All right, Cliff, I already feel great energy. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and I always feel like a broken record when I ask this because I ask the same question. I'm a, I'm a journalist and I hate asking like questions that are pre thought of, but I need to know, I need to know everybody's, how do you fall into franchising story? Cause nobody yeah. grows up saying I want to be in franchising. So how do you fall into this thing? I can't wait to find the person that actually says I grow, I grew <laughs> yeah, up right. in this and I want to be in right. franchising my entire life. Right. Like don't want to be the fireman. You want to be a franchisee. Somebody's going to say that at some point. It'll happen. Yeah. Um, no, my story is unique. Like every other person you ask this question to mine is I got stuck in traffic every single day and I saw a Frio stand and I decided to stop and try the key lime pie and it just transformed me. It was truly an experience. Unlike anything else I'd had the experience with an ice cream truck. And so from there, um, kept trying it and kept trying it, kept trying it eventually became a franchisee May 1st of 2018 with Frios and that was my first foray into even knowing what franchising was. You always knew about like Taco Bell, or but you understood. But I never really understood franchising until that point. All right, so you're literally stuck in traffic, and you see this thing. Yeah, I, I mean, when I go home on Old Shell Road here in Mobile, it's a two lane street, and you get stuck in the five o'clock traffic, and it's miserable. I mean, there's nowhere you can go, and once you get past that go no go point, you're like, am I committed to this road or not? And so every day. I'd see all these kids and adults happy every afternoon. They're smiling and everything else. And they're enjoying these Frios pops. And I was like, all right, I'm miserable. And I know I've got about a 10 minute go here up the street. I got to stop and try it. And I, it just transformed me into where I am today. So most, most franchisees probably go through a similar experience where they're sitting in traffic. They're pissed that they're going to go work for someone else, but it's not to go get off the road and try the product. It's, it's more so because like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. And for, for you is try the product. And then how do you transition? Obviously, I'm sure you're pissed with the commute, but how do you now go take me through the process of actually becoming a franchisee then? Yeah. So for all, you mean the franchisor? Well, you were a franchisee first, right? Yeah. So it was, you know, there, there's different levels of founders of companies. And so when I bought into this company, the person that currently owned the franchise location she had a life change and love her to this day. We communicate at random times and uh, she was just, she had a career. She's like, I got to get out of the free saying, this is going to take all my energy. I was like, perfect. I'm in a family business, but yet I'm looking for my side hustle. I think this could be great. And so we talked for a long time about it. And eventually I bought out three territories from her. And then I was all in. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing nights, weekends, whatever it is, figuring it out, football games, festivals, all this kind of stuff. But the one thing that was missing for me that I knew franchising was all about was like that support. Um, but I felt like I was on an island by myself. I didn't have the numbers to get in contact with other franchisees. Our system-wide calls were maybe two of us would show up and the person that was leading, it was like, hey, uh, these are the flavors that are available. Y'all go sell. Anybody got any questions? No. See you later. Like there was no strategy. There was no all these. And so that's what kind of evolved into like, hey, great product, but poorly run company. That means opportunity. Okay. More, more to unpack there. So if you, if you reflect backwards on yourself, because what you just said is so deeply impactful on most franchise buyers due diligence if they ran into that headwind where there's not the support back to franchisees, 
um, chaos and you, you there's no culture, like you don't buy it. So did you, when you were doing your due diligence, did you look over that? Cause you were too excited about buying these three or like when you look, if you were to back cast that moment, you probably wouldn't have bought it if you knew that stuff. Right. Yeah, probably not. But I'm going to ask on um, an opportunity opportunistic guy as well tough word to spit out there but it's like maybe i'd have looked at it a little bit sooner and transitioned to even not become a franchisee but go straight into the franchisor position right. because that's a truly unbelievable opportunity when you can find something that tastes as great as our product does and then have that opportunity to say, I, I know this is what i i came from the sales background i was like if i could put these systems and processes in place to support the franchisees tremendous opportunity here to really grow a company that could be greatly successful in the future. How many franchisees did they have when you, at that point, when you're, when you're a franchisee, not the franchisor yet, how many? Yeah, uh, 22. Okay. 22 so, stories. Another thing that I heard out of you, and I want to just clarify this as, as a directional thing for the business said, I, I was working, I, I already worked with my family um, and I was going to work nights and weekends to make this thing go in that sense. And even today, do you want owner operator fully bought in or do you like the idea of them doing this as the side hustle? I love them both. But for our business being mobile based. And so also another huge thing that we did was we transitioned this company from brick and mortar to mobile, but mobile based. Uh, and I love it that I live in Mobile, Alabama, and this is a mobile company. So there's a <laughs> lot of play on words there. Um, but so often we get the people I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to leave my job yet. Because when you make that jump, there's a lot of uncertainty and self-doubt and everything. So our low cost entry allows people to say, hey, I'm going to start this out as my side hustle, doing it nights and weekends. And then they develop and say, oh, I'm doing really well. Let me buy another territory. I mean, we just had one of our franchisees. They started the same way, side hustle. And now they just bought their fourth territory. Like they're all in. And so that's how ours evolves. Yeah. But we do have those outliers that buy three or four territories to start because they know and they believe in the product and they believe in themselves and their work ethic said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm planting my flag in the ground in this territory and I'm ready to grow. I think there, I mean, there's huge value in that. And even what you've put in from a franchisor standpoint to add the systems processes support. I mean, most, most franchise buyers do start with some sort of affinity, especially in the food space for the product. And they're like, yeah. this thing is amazing, which also allows them to overlook some of the, the business issues that could come up and how much does it cost and to get in and how much can I potentially make because they're so enamored with the product. But now that you've added in these other elements, you cross off vision and leadership, uh, scalability, uh, franchisee validation, where you're growing and how you're growing, like you crossed off the other things, which I'm sure you saw as an opportunity. So take me through your Z, three unit Z, you bought another Z, you're pissed off on these calls because there's no foundation. How do you engineer a conversation to take over the business? <laughs> it was the easiest thing I ever did. It was just, you pick up the phone. Um, and at that time, the owner of the company you know, really didn't take your calls. And so I finally, I kept calling, wasn't getting a return phone call. Finally called somebody else that worked there and said, Hey, I need him to take my call. I got a big thing for him. So finally I got the call from him and uh, said, Hey, I want to buy your company. And he said, huh? I was like, yeah, I want to buy the company. So I'll call you back tomorrow. He called me back tomorrow. He said, Hey, if you're serious, here's the price. 
And I said, okay, let's start. And so that was, so I became a franchisee May 1st of 2018. I made that call in August and then all the negotiations back and forth, fundraise, all this kind of stuff that I was having to do. Uh, finally came to an end December 21st of 2018, uh, became the franchisor and signed the paperwork. It's crazy. It was, right. I mean, it, is, it was whirlwind. And during this time, my wife is pregnant with our third child and all this kind of stuff. Like, hey, I'm leaving a very successful family business, dear, like very secure in where I'm going and I know my future. I'm going to do this whole popsicle thing off. now. So like most uh, founder stories, I would imagine that first call back where he said, here's the price. Founders uh, don't really build valuations based on reality. They come up with a number out of the sky. Was that a similar situation? Yeah, it's like you're trying to sell your home or something, right? I mean, it, it means so much. It's so personal. But once you get down to the numbers, uh, you know, and, and get the smart people in a room together, um, you kind of come to those valuations. And there's a lot of negotiations of, do I value this at that and everything else? Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, I loved it. That was the first time I've really been a part of business negotiation in that form of buying somebody out. Yeah. Uh, but I had a tremendous uh, team behind me with financial support and everything else to crunch those numbers uh, and came out with a great deal. Did you, before that moment happened, are you calling the other 20-ish franchisees to get buy-in or did you do that after that process because you're trying to keep that somewhat quiet? Trying to keep it quiet and trying to respect so you don't want to send shockwaves to the company, but definitely had a couple of people I reached out to um, voicing their concerns, but everyone was saying, unbelievable product. I just wish this. And I was like, that's what I wanted to hear because I knew they weren't going to be. I wasn't I was I was the biggest franchisee. I had three at that point. I had three territories, um, but I, and I knew my frustrations and I knew all of their frustrations as well, because we were all on that ship going in different directions. Um, and so therefore, I knew that's what I had to come in there and solve. So making those calls wasn't going to change my mind. I just needed to get control of the company and build up the infrastructure. So you close in December. Um, I would imagine some markets are a little bit quieter in December than others. Yeah. I mean, because there was no sell support. I mean, do you stop putting ice in your drink in December? Do you stop eating ice cream? Do you stop eating cold dessert? Do you take everything out of your freezer? No, nope. people still eat cold product during the wintertime. Yeah. It's how do you do it? Where do you go? And that's what we've been constantly working on and putting those processes and procedures. And one of the things that I talk about all the time was, you know, I bought that in 2021. The first thing I had to do was build up a team and I moved the, so I'm vertically integrated. I manufacture all the products. So I have a manufacturing facility sitting right behind me right now. Um, and so I had to move that over 400 miles over the course of six months and build a facility and do all those things. That was year one. Year two, COVID came to town. And so like, wow, what are we doing now? But COVID for us, barring every bit of destruction and financial instability it caused throughout the world was the greatest thing that ever happened to Frios Gourmet Pops because that was a pivotal moment. I realized that you can't get a thousand people to come to your brick and mortar store and celebrate a company event. But if you mobilized and went to them, you could serve a thousand people in 30 minutes. Right. And so that was the biggest thing. So when we realized that, I said, what's what's a cool idea? Let's tie dye wrap up a van and let's go do this thing. And we started doing that. And so from there, it was just, here we go. So even though I've been in this company five years now at, at this point in 2023, 
I really feel like this is like a two, three-year-old company. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, every, everything kind of halted, but it also gave you a chance to reevaluate what the business is. And frankly, I mean, you as a franchisor, I mean, you're you're fixing things first and preparing yeah. to actually grow. So where what's the state of the union now? Where does the where, what does the brand look like from size wise and opportunity wise? It's a tremendous opportunity for two reasons. Uh, and I'll tell you where we are. And we're super excited about this. We're going to be making a huge announcement on some future growth as well. But um, as of today um, and within 30 seconds ago, actually, we just signed on our 89th territory. Awesome. Um, and by the end of the day, we're expecting to sign on our 90th territory. So we are inching ever so close to that uh unicorn of uh, 100 territories across the country so we're super excited about our growth so just cleaning everything up moving around so from 2019 to now we went from 22 to now 89 territories so if that kind of tells you about our growth we're super excited about it because it resonates with so many people young old whoever and everyone in between because high flexibility low cost of entry light labor family friendly and simple to operate. This isn't. And, and so I'll tell you, Nick, everyone says, oh, you're in the food truck. That is a, a no go for us. We never say food truck. We are the modern day ice cream truck. Huge difference. And so there's a lot more simplicity there. So, you know, we really feel that we're just now getting our legs behind us and fully believe that we can get to that 200 mark and 300 beyond in the next several years. How many of your franchise owners are multi-unit now? I uh, believe I just put in that number. I think it's uh, 57% or multi-unit. That's great. I mean, obviously, if they continue to scale, that's going to be the pathway of lease resistance. Um, yeah. Did you run into any, when you went mobile, did you run into any snags with vehicle inventory? Because everybody was having a shortage there. Did it align with how, how much you were selling? Yeah. I mean, it was, we could have gotten a little bit faster, um, but it was kind of a good cadence. But yeah, we, we definitely didn't get as many as we wanted to. So we had to rework our strategy of saying, Hey, we're not going to be the sole supplier of this. If you can go find a transit van or whatever, go find it. And you can either send it to our customization shop or build it out to these specs. And so we've just now started to tone that back a little bit because that supply chain just hasn't still been there like it needs to be. Uh, but now we've got a great partner building out all of our vans and having them built out within like two to three weeks now. It's great. Do you have do you have sound that you play like the old ice cream trucks? So no, we don't have the old ice cream trucks, and uh, the old ice cream song, uh, ice cream song, believe it or not, is not good. If you ever look up the history of that, it's, it's actually <laughs> very know. bad. Right. It's very very bad. Very bad. So it's like, we're just going to steer away from that. And so no, we just play some fun music on the bands, and it's got the LED lights, and it's just an experience. You know, it stands out because it's tie dye. We sell, we have amazing product. Because, and I, I kind of show you this strategy here idea is like, go look at all the iPhone commercials. They show you what the iPhone can do and you never see the iPhone until the end. So they got you all jazzed up on like, oh, all this cinematography and everything else. Then they show you the product. Same thing with us. We're selling happiness for a living. Like we're putting smiles on faces, the stresses of life and work and everything else that people are going through. It's impossible not to put a smile on your face and enjoy a Frios with your kids or yourself or your grandparents, whoever it may be, your coworker. Um, and so we sell happiness, but then we have amazing products and how we do that. My marketing hat goes on when you're talking about 
Christmas and you're right, eating cold things doesn't change. I'm like, you got to, you got to convert these to like the Frio's Christmas truck where Santa's riding around and then yeah. you do like the, the hot chocolate flavor. I mean, eggnog flavor. We, you do that stuff. Whew. We do that. Yeah. We already do that. Uh, and so we have a bunch of seasons and it's like the worst part of the year is when we have to make the pumpkin flavors. Like, please do we have to be that cliche and come out with all these pumpkin flavors. Uh, so I'm, if I had my vote, I'd never do it again, but they still sell quite well. But yeah, we do all those different seasonal alleys of the flavors. We're constantly rotating them in and out. Here's your opportunity with those pumpkin flavors though. I went to one of these like uh, sub-zero ice cream places recently. They, yeah. they had, they had pumpkin and they had eggnog and it's summer and it's in, I, I live in Atlanta. Um, you, you come out with pumpkin when nobody else has pumpkin, then it skyrockets. That's probably, that's, that's a good idea. It, it's all about getting the ingredients though. And, and having fresh pumpkins yeah. is, is kind of tough. So talk about your dream. What's the dream for the business now? Where, where do you, where do you want it to go in the next you know, a few years and then, you know, you're a smart businessman. Do you think about exit now or do you think about innovation and expansion? Like where are you at mentally there too? Definitely want to expand. I just think there's the big three of everything, big three banks, big three insurance companies in the space that I'm in, in this frozen novelty, frozen dessert business. There's only one real player and we don't have to say their name. Everybody knows who they are. I think there's so much white space for us to grow this brand, to have three, five, six, eight, a thousand territories. Um, and I think just with our simplicity and flexibility, can't tell you how many times that parents call me and say, hey, this is the best business that I can teach my kids the value of a dollar. I don't have to make anything. I can do this. They understand it. And so that's what it's all about. So I don't foresee any exit right now. I just foresee putting gas to this fire and keep growing and going. I got an amazing team right now. And so we're all excited. We all know the goals that we have set for ourselves and every day is just get up and how do we make our franchisees better? Now that you've made it this far, what does your wife say about it? <laughs> uh, you know, everyone could put um, rose colored glasses on and think that this seat is always easy. But it hasn't been easy last year. You know, I'm, I do make mistakes. You don't you always don't post those on social media and everything like that. But it's the struggles. It's just staying up at night. And why did I do this? And, you know, this wasn't the right person, whatever it is. Um, but I love it. Uh, you know, I love the pressure. I love the adrenaline of it all. So she sees the highs and lows. And, uh, you know, I showed her the there's a, a graph of like the day in the life of an entrepreneur where it's just the day is like, Oh, this is the greatest decision I've ever made. And then it goes down to like, oh no, this is worse. I'm going out of business. Oh, I'm so happy I did this. Everyone's so happy. Oh, I'm going bankrupt. All these like, that's just the day in the life of the seat that I sit in. And so, yeah, it's it is tough at times on family. You don't get to go on those family vacations. I mean, you do, but I know where we're taking this. Um, and sometimes you have to you might have to make sacrifices. But one thing I rarely do um, is in my life, I wake up extremely early. Um, I take my kids to school. I, I go to their practices. I have to work around my family as much as possible um, because I don't want to sacrifice missing out because that is the most important thing to me. I, I live by the, you know, Marcus Aurelius of Stoicism. You know, I can leave this life right now unless I control my action, thoughts, and words. To paraphrase him, um, yeah. and that's just it. Like, I don't. Tomorrow's not guaranteed, and so I'm going to yeah. put in 100% to my relationships, my family, my work, and everything and just live the best life I can. 
Uh, amen to that. Uh, lo love that statement. I will say uh, in this 20 or so minutes that we've been able to talk, I, I do think one of your biggest areas of opportunity, even more so now than before I jumped on here, is your story is nowhere to be found on your website. And if I'm a franchise owner, I'm, I'm buying exactly what you just said. You, you jumped in, you took a big risk, you left a family business that was comfortable, so you got uncomfortable. Uh, you continued to scale that. You took another risk by making a phone call that might be uncomfortable by other people. Uh, you took on a business, you navigated COVID, figured it out. You looked at brick and mortar and said, what's in the best interest of the franchisees? Uh, you've balanced your family, which that's exactly what they're gonna do. Not one franchisee gets into business for anything other than family. Um, and I wanna see that. I wanna see more of that on your site because I'm gonna buy from you. I could, I, could, I could be interested immediately if I watch this. Um, I, think, I think there's a huge opportunity to lift up your story too. Well, no, I really appreciate that. And I'll take that into advice. We're actually revamping our entire website right now. We're hoping to launch that in the next couple of weeks on our friend dev site um, to really tell, you know, and it's, it's a story that a lot of people, it resonates with them. It's like taking those risks. And, you know, as candidates come on, uh, I'll never say who it was, but I, I've lived it with them. So it's like, you're taking a leap into the unknown when you become an entrepreneur. Does it matter if it's a franchisee or anything like that with a company or by yourself? It's a huge risk. And so those nerves of I've seen people sign up in 16, 17 days, like quick close. But also have the people that are like, I'm ready to close. All right, here's your agreement. Here's your wiring information, all this kind of stuff. And then they're, they're, they don't do anything. I'm like, what happened? They're like, oh, so nervous. Can we look at this one more time? And then like, I got, I'll never forget, I got a call uh, from a franchisee. Uh, we've been going back and forth since like November. They call me January 31st at like 8 p.m. They're like, I'm ready to close right now. I was like, well, the banks are closed. I'm not in my office right now I'm with my family. They're like, so we can't do it? I was like, no, you can't do it. They're like, all right, we're going to sign Monday. And I was like, okay, we'll call Monday. They're like, oh, we're not ready. And then it took like another <laughs> month. And then they're like, finally, and they're like, and then they called me, Nick, like soon as they were, they were like, I don't know why I waited so long. Like, I just had to remember why I wanted to do this and like control my own destiny. And I was like, I've been trying to tell you that. And I was like, but I'm never going to pressure you. Yeah. Like, you always have to remember why you're doing this. and You're controlling your own destiny by doing this. And so that's why I love those stories. And so we go back to your question a little bit while ago. I was like, what about that exit? What are you looking for? I just love this too much of seeing how it affects people's lives and their families and everything else. It's just bringing them happiness. Yeah. So a few quick comments. One is, you know, fr franchisees get up to that ledge many times before they jump off right now. And we, we say this all the time on our data, 6.4 months from impression to inquiry. That's not even to, hey, they've, your examples are they've actually inquired. They just can't get over the hump. But 6.4 months before that, they've walked up to that ledge and they're coming up with a million reasons why they shouldn't do this. Well, my career is stable. I mean, you you moved a little bit faster from getting stuck in traffic, trying the product and buying the business, but most people don't move that fast. And that's probably why you're the franchisor, not not a franchisee currently. Um, so I think that's that's important. But I would I would go back and as you think through timing of exit, uh, you know, I think it's awesome that you love this. Um, I think you have this North Star of uh, what what equals happiness and how how time is our most valuable asset. Um, and I would tell this to any franchise or sell, sell on the high, don't sell on the low. So don't wait until you're done being happy with that. Sell while you are I'm not saying do it tomorrow, um, but have that in the back of your mind. I think, I think far too many good franchisors 
don't think about the exit enough. And then it comes as a surprise and not as a positive experience. Um, and, you know, I think, I think you have a good head on your shoulders that you, you weigh your family life, your personal views, uh, you know, it, it will, it'll help start guiding it. But I mean, my, my look has always been, uh, I don't, I, I'm having fun with what I do. Um, but in the next three years, we're going to build this to sell it. Um, and at that point we can decide, do we acquire other businesses? Do we sell or do we stay the course? Like, but build it to sell. It just changes the way that you invest back into the business. And that, that's when, and, and let me clarify that saying there's the number and the valuation that we're trying to get this company to 100 percent. And if somebody comes to me with a phone call and says, hey, we're going to give you this number. Where's the paperwork? Like well, that's a success. But it's also the fact that. Understanding my industry and my specific niche a little bit more, there's a tremendous untapped resource that everyone is overlooking. No one is even paying attention to it. And so I'll also see if I can grow this a little bit more, might bring on private equity, whatever it is, raise funds. We yeah. all know that portfolio brands are big right now. There's a tremendous opportunity to do that in this space. Um, and so that's kind of in the back pocket. I mean, I got a lot to do with Frios and grow and all that kind of stuff first, but definitely in my back pocket for the, the, the exit and hitting that number or potentially expanding it and then go a little bit beyond and see where that takes. So i got two exit numbers. For clarity, you said there's this number, but if that person came from Auburn, does it go up or down? Yeah, I realized that the fact that I'm I'm wearing my Alabama shirt today on accident, and then it's the greatest (laughs) catch of all time behind me here. Um, Knowing that you're living in Atlanta, you might be on the other side of that, uh, of where I am. But uh, I grew up in Chicago. I have no affinity to any NFL or uh, any college okay. team. I could care less. I there just, you go. I, I, well, I like the I like the legions. I like the look. Gym. You know what? To me, I, I tell everybody, those kids that are playing on the football and baseball and soccer, they don't cut my paychecks. So I don't care what their college affiliation is. If they've got the funds, we're good to go. Good. We're, we'll play that back when you sell to someone at Auburn. So, you know, sure. Hey, look, I'll, I'll donate at that point. <laughs> it's not really going to brought that is not going to be a problem for me. Well, you got to you got to go plant their trees again because Alabama cut those down anyway or poison. Yeah, well, I just saw the notice that they can actually start rolling the trees. I mean, they got to win a game to roll <laughs> a tree. So we'll see how that plays out. Love it. Cliff, this was awesome. Thanks for the conversation. Look forward to hearing where the story goes for Cliff. I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor. Take care, Take care of it.